This episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod is brought to you by Deloitte. The way we power the world is changing, and Deloitte is helping leaders amplify innovation, inspire change, and illuminate a cleaner, brighter future of energy. Explore how Deloitte can help your company create a more sustainable, net-zero future. To learn more, click on the Deloitte links in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by AI Impact. AI Impact is a new virtual event that will separate hype from reality and deliver insights into how industries and business functions will be enhanced and tested in the age of AI. Featuring thought-provoking keynote speeches and exclusive discussions with world-renowned AI experts, this event will provide the knowledge, context, and inspiration you need to navigate the complexities of AI. Participants will learn how to identify opportunities, address issues, and make informed decisions that will leverage AI to its fullest potential. AI Impact, which is brought to you by SmartBrief, is taking place September 27th and 28th. To learn more about AI Impact or to register to attend the event, go to impactaisummit.com. That's impactaisummit.com. Or click on the link in the show notes. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon, and today we're going to be taking a close look at the solar industry. According to a recent report from the Solar Energy Industries Association, U.S. solar and storage companies have announced more than $100 billion in private sector investments since the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in August of 2022. So while there's certainly momentum and capital flowing in the right direction for solar, the forecast is not entirely sunny. In a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by Daniel Cruz. Daniel is partner and head of renewables at Liam Research. He's been on this show once before, but it's always nice to check in periodically with him and the team at Liam because they are a market intelligence firm that keeps a close eye and a satellite lens or two on the energy industry. Daniel and I are going to talk about trends he is seeing in both the residential and utility-scale solar sectors. In case you missed it, be sure to check out the last episode of this show. Amid the push to, quote, electrify everything, Terry Collier from 3M stopped by to walk us through the importance of optimizing the existing grid so we all can get the most power out of the infrastructure we have right now. Looking ahead, I'm going to be joined in a couple of weeks by Harold Overholm, the CEO of Alight. Harold and the team at Alight are based in Stockholm, Sweden, so we're going to get his perspective on what organizations across Europe are doing to accelerate the transition to solar. And looking even farther out on the schedule, we've got some great shows coming up that will focus on Climate Week and COP28. I can't wait for those, but for right now, let's get things started with Daniel Cruz from Liam Research. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. My guest is Daniel Cruz. Daniel is a repeat guest to this podcast. He and his co-founder, Joseph Tripke, founded Liam Research. Daniel, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Sean? Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back on. It looks like you and Joseph have made a change. Uh, you guys are co-founders and partners, but now you're the head of renewables for Liam. So what was driving that split of duties? You know, I think I think it was just more of a focus of into renewables and, and wanting to be more dedicated to the space. I think we've 
we kind of see the writing on the wall and know that renewables is is where we need to be. And so we wanted to have one of us dedicate to renewables and one dedicate to shale. And so I raised my hand and and here we are. Well, I guess that obviously that makes you the perfect guest for this show. Like I mentioned, you've been on the show in the past. So if listeners want to go back and listen to that, they can. But just in case they haven't, tell us a little bit more about what you and the T and Liam do. So we are a research firm. We are focused on institutional investors. And what that means is when we're researching topics or the industry, we have institutional investors in mind. And and so we have them in focus. And so part of that research is making sure that we're not just listening to what companies are saying and what anecdotes are saying. We're also leaning on a heavy base of data and historical and taking that historical data and making predictive research out of it and making it something that investors can use, something that corporate development teams can use, something that's not just, hey, this is the here now. How do we use this data going forward? So in a, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do at Liam. Yeah, I got to say, I appreciate the market insights you all share. I'm, I'm on your email list and I advise any listeners of this show to try and sign up for that. It's a lot of actionable intel, like you said. So yeah, what are you and the team at Liam finding in the, in the renewables market space these days? What kind of trends have you spotted? There's a ton going on right now, as you can imagine. IRA really changed the game for a lot of people. Um, certainly a lot of investor interest out there. As we go into the different verticals, um, I would say... Right now, we're most heavily focused on the solar space and within the solar space, kind of splitting our time between uh, residential solar and uh, utility solar. And within those, uh, we're really trying to get a handle on the here and now. Um, For instance, what's happening uh, July, August, September in both residential and utility. And and as I, I think about those two spaces, I see them really going in two different directions. So on the residential side, I think there's a lot of challenges that we've seen lately. Um, We can probably get into some more of those in detail. There's a lot of what the data is telling us now is that it's tough out there. Activity is not going up. It's actually going down. So it's a really, really tough market. On the total flip side, almost exact opposite is utility solar. In the utility solar market, we're seeing that market up and to the right. And it's certainly the best we've seen it covering this. And, and I would argue it is the most active it's ever been in the United States. So those are kind of broadly what we're looking at and seeing. So, I mean, I, I could take a guess at what's driving those kind of opposite trends, but you're the expert here. So, so tell us, why is, why is the residential side having a tough moment? And obviously on the utility side, there's more yeah. to it than just the IRA. So walk us through it. Yeah, so on the on the residential side, what you have not going for you or, or not going for it is um, first and foremost, um, this will be a surprise to probably no one here, but California NEM and specifically 3.0, it started officially on April 15th of this year. And what it did was change the rules on solar in California and essentially gave less of an incentive to California homeowners. And so that market is a huge market for residential solar. Before, to give you a sense, before California NEM 3.0 kicked off, um, it was probably 40% of the entire United States in terms of home solar. It's a huge market. Since April 15th, we've seen permits in California drop almost 60%. Wow. 
And so since that time, there's there's probably 60% fewer, two-thirds of the um, the people that were getting uh, getting solar no longer are getting it on a, on a weekly and monthly basis. So that puts you down probably 30 or 40% year over year in the by far largest market in the United States. So that's California and then some other things also going on in other states. Okay. Before we get to the other states, just real quick. One thing, you know, acronyms. A lot of folks yeah. might not listen to the show. So NEM, net energy metering, that's what we're talking about. And it kicked in April 15th, you said. Was there any ramp up of activity right ahead of it of, you know, homeowners and folks trying to get in just ahead of the deadline or was it steady going into that? Yeah, that's, that's actually a good question. And there was a huge ramp up, I would say, into it. If we look at the data from February, March and half of April, I think on our data, you had a 50 to 60 percent increase over that time period in people filing residential home solar permits. And so now the, the obvious knock onto that is now that we've filed permits and we filed interconnection applications, the, a lot of those are still being installed here and now. But if we just look at permits since that time, you're, you're down 30 or 40 percent. I'm sorry, down 50 or 60 percent. So that's what's going on in California. You mentioned there's some trends you're spotting in other states. Where else do you want to take us? Yeah, so so the other states, um, as you can imagine, it, it's more mixed. You're having a divergence in some of the different areas. The, the first I'll start on being the most challenging, and one of the other big ones is Texas. Texas is having a real tough go at it. Hasn't been a change in policy necessarily, but this is really being driven by the economics of solar. The economics of solar, a lot of most people in Texas, when they go out to get home solar, they're either buying outright or they're getting loans. And so that, as we know, interest rates have gone up by a lot. And so those interest rates have really impacted activity in that state. You also have energy prices all the, or electricity prices, although they're good, the trajectory is nothing like it was last year. And so it's just a real tough comp looking at Texas. I would go around the, the other parts of the South, particularly in the Southeast. The Southeast last year was fantastic. Florida was fantastic. This year, though, kind of kind of running in that same trend as Texas, just pretty challenging. As we move to the rest of the U.S., uh, mixed in other places, the, but there is an area I think I would I would call it the Northeast that's actually doing pretty well up there, bucking this trend, still moving towards solar. And that's the one area that I would call out that, that seems pretty good right now. But, but overall, it's just a lot, of, a lot of tough spots in the residential solar market right now. Yeah. So it sounds like policy in some places and also just interest rates in others, right? Yeah. Yeah. Inter- interest rates and electricity prices as well. It's kind of easing up. We'll be right back. Building a brighter tomorrow starts with illuminating greater possibilities today. That's why Deloitte helps organizations weave sustainability into their business decisions. Join Deloitte in creating a brighter, cleaner tomorrow. To discover what's sustainable, renewable, and possible in the future of energy, click on the Deloitte links in the show notes. And now back to my conversation with Daniel Cruz from Liam Research. And so now let's flip to the utility scale side of things. So uh, you mentioned the Inflation Reduction Act. What else is driving that growth? And, and again, are there any states or regions where you're really seeing big infusions of development? 
Yeah, I'll answer the first part, kind of what else is driving it. So IRA is 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 huge. Um, you get a lot more incentives. The economics are a lot better now than they were a year ago. But the driving force, I think, at least the way that we see the data is more pent up demand. And so in late 2021, most of 2022, I think there was a lot of, uh, of demand for solar that wasn't moving forward, whether it be ADCVD issues, whether it be uncertainty around the IRA, whatever it has been, I think there's a lot of pent up demand. And so applications had continued to go up over the last couple of years, filing in queues, et cetera. It just, you weren't making orders, you weren't starting construction, you really weren't moving forward on those. Now I think you're getting all of that come to fruition and come to reality. And so we're seeing it not only in increasing applications, but also now really seeing it on the ground seeing orders get placed, we're seeing construction started, and we're seeing some of the easing on the interconnection side where they finally get interconnected. So all those things are just kind of coming together, hitting on all cylinders. Are you seeing any kind of speed bumps due to supply chain issues, you know, solar panels and things like that? Or is that all kind of smoothed out from what you're seeing? There are some companies that still talk about it a bit on the solar side, just on what we see on the... um, the anecdote side and modules. Uh, there are companies that still talk about it. There is still talk and in, in seeing some detainments from UFLIPA, um, UFLPA, especially now that, that it seems like the tar- Department of Commerce is moving down to some of the tier two suppliers. So there is some of that, but more, I think a bigger picture as it relates to the supply chain for utility scale, it's probably just, we need a lot of panels. And so like if you if you need panels, it's harder to get. I don't think that's the same on the residential side. I think you have more of a supply, an available supply. You have a lot of inventory. But on the utility scale side, I think it's just it's just more difficult to get panels. You, we, we need a lot of them here in the U.S. And I think we're having a difficult time. The rest of the supply chain, I think it's doing as well as it, you could ask. I think things are really doing well here on the supply chain side. On the previous episode, we had you on to talk about SolarSat, which is one of the information services you provide. I highly recommend all of our listeners go back and listen to that episode to learn more about SolarSat. But what is that information telling you right now about the utility scale solar market? Yeah, so that's um, that's been really cool to see that product flourish and, and give insights. The thing that we're seeing there that really struck us lately is new construction. So... Before we came out with SolarSat, I think the industry has been relying on mainly one resource, and that's going to be your interconnections. And so the world has access to see how many projects interconnected to the grid. What the world, I don't think, has been seeing is how that timing relates to the solar industry. But... Being able to take some of the satellite imagery to combine that with the rest of our research um, that we're doing to put that with AI, we've really been able to separate out all the pieces and the timing of what happens to actually get that interconnection. And what we find is that as we go through the different imagery, we can see we can see when Earth starts, um, when they start clearing land, when trackers start to be installed. We can see. When panels get to install, we can track that project all the way through. What we find at a high level is, man, there is a lot going on 
behind the scenes. And it takes a lot longer than what people anticipate and normal algorithms that you run on when construction happens. And if you look at the EIA, all of this stuff is wacky. But if you if you just look at take the data separated for new construction, um, what you'll see is is in the last few months, the number of companies moving dirt for the first time has spiked. Um, and so to put that into perspective, over the last three months, there's been over, I'll say in DC, but almost 10 gigawatts DC of projects that have started. And so on an annual basis, um, <laughs> that's 40 gigawatt DC that, that you're talking about is happening in the United States. To put that in perspective, in 2022, we had less than 15 gigawatts that was interconnected to the web. So you're talking about 15 gigawatts up to 40 gigawatts um, if you were able to break out that timing there. So, so that's been the biggest thing. And I think that has implications across the space, not just for this month, but over the next 18 months and how we're looking at the industry and utility scale solar. You're not seeing that in, in the interconnections. Um, you're going to see reports come out that, hey, we're up big, we're up 50%, 60% from last year on interconnections. But interconnections now are still really low. You, you'll get lucky to get 20 gigawatts on interconnections this year. But as we go forward, um, we can see what new construction is now. It's huge. And that will start to play out into the rest of 2023 and 2024. Okay, so we talked a lot about solar. What are you seeing on the storage side of it? Batteries. You mentioned that earlier. So is Liam tracking that at all? Yeah. So that's probably the other thing we've been spending a lot of time on. The applications on the storage side have been absolutely fantastic. They've been a moonshot. The attractiveness of that market is, is really high, both on the residential side and the utility scale side. The problem with that, at least on the utility scale side, it's just, it's just a slower moving than what we would have thought. But generally, as I had mentioned earlier, like battery and storage has to be part of the equation for energy transition, regardless of if if we get to hydrogen or not, like that has to be a part of it here. So we're keeping a close eye on that. It's harder to um, really make relevant calls here in the near term. But, but yeah, that's that's the other big thing, I think. You know, I mentioned at the top that you're obviously now the, the head of renewables at Liam. So what do you see big picture? for the renewable space here in the U.S.? I'm talking growth potential. You know, we've talked a lot about the IRA already. Any potential risks out there? You know, a lot of people seem to be talking like it's just all blue skies, we're going to rock and roll, but, you know, maybe you've got a different perspective. So what's your big picture analysis of the renewable sector? You know, um, the biggest risk is not going to be a surprise. The biggest risk is interest rates. Um, interest rates change the economics dramatically, not just on solar and, and residential solar, but across the space. And so if you don't have an attractive interest rate environment, there's no way you're going to transition to renewables. So that's your biggest risk. The other big risk is that batteries don't and storage don't make up that gap. Solar's fantastic, but it's fantastic for, for the South and it's fantastic for Texas. Uh, it's good in the, in, the, in the North, but it's not going to be the savior of the North. So, I mean, these are obvious things that have to be figured out. You can figure it out with energy storage. Um, you can figure out by putting in wind and, and, and then eventually hydrogen will be here. But but um, really in the near term, like we obviously have to make sure that the intermittency isn't a mitigating factor of the transition. So those are those would be my two risks. Do you see any political risk 
I mean, we've got an election coming here in a little more than a year, and there's a lot of people worried about like the dismantling of the yeah. IRA. So, I, mean, I mean, honestly, because political risk is is so prevalent and, and part of everything, uh, I'd, I probably just left it out. Um, there's always going to be massive political risk here, and and that's not going to change. But that's that to me doesn't seem very surprising. Okay. And so now let's switch to your predictions. I mean, I, I appreciate your insight on what's going on and what risk might be, but any bold predictions for what the renewable space looks like in five or 10 years? Positive or negative? Give me both. Both. Uh, and I'll start, I'll start on the negative side, maybe. So negative would be um, on the residential side. I've obviously been talking about how challenging it is on the residential side. On the residential side, I think people are going to be surprised next year at how much residential declines again. Um, I think it's already declining, but I think those those kind of declines and that could actually accelerate into next year. There's a lot of factors that could get worse rather than better. Um, and so to put that into perspective, like installations in the United States for residential solar could be down another 10, 20% next year. Wow. This year, we'll be lucky if we get flat this year. And that's that's after growing by double digits for, for multiple years. So I think that's probably the bold prediction I would take on the residential side. On a more positive note, um, it would be on the utility scale side. I alluded to it earlier, but based on what we're seeing on the ground and in applications, I think we could hit 40 gigawatts turned on line in 2024. That compares to less than 15 gigawatts in 2022. So that's a that's a big increase. Um, a lot of that going to Texas. Texas is already this year. We've got Texas solar contributing um, almost eight percent of peak summer elect- uh, electricity comes from solar. You look a year or two from now, you're looking at almost fifteen percent in Texas is going to come from from solar. That's from zero percent in two thousand and nineteen. Wow. So, and it's all utility scale. Like Texas is not moving on residential; they're moving on utility scale. So, so big things happening on that end. Okay. Well, hey, Daniel, I really appreciate your time today. I'd love to have you on the show again and everything you always share. I always come away from these conversations a little bit smarter. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. It's been great. Well, that's our show for today. But before we get out of here, I want to say one final thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, Deloitte. Thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow this show on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, please be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues. Have a great day.